Hey guys, and welcome back to Mental Status. This is a podcast created by psychology students for psychology students. We're your hosts, Yash. And Josh. And we aim to demystify the unknowns of studying psychology and sharing our insights along the way. We would like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land in which we plan, write, and record this podcast, the Turrbal and the Yagara peoples. We pay respect to elders past, present, and emerging, and we recognize that this has always been a place of teaching, learning, and storytelling. Today's episode may seem like a deviation from psychology content. This is the first episode of our three-part series called The Broke Student Diaries. In this series, we want to talk about something that makes everyone a little uncomfortable. Money. I feel like money is never talked about as a psychology student, which doesn't make sense to me because it's been such an integral part of my journey to becoming a psychologist. Specifically, this episode will focus on our personal relationship and history with money as a foundation to later explore how it manifests in the choices we make today as students. Speaking of our personal relationship with money, I would like to thank our sponsors for this episode, Shopback. I have personally been using Shopback since 2021 to save some extra money. If you listened to my last mental status, you would know that I dropped my laptop and now I have to buy a new one. I will 100% be using Shopback on my purchase to save me some extra money. Shopback actually just launched Shopfest, where you can find deals on a bunch of brands that you already use, like 15% cashback at Kohl's and up to 100% cashback at Pizza Hut. If you're new to Shopback, sign up with the code BROKESTUDENT for a bonus $20 cashback or follow the link in our bio. Once again... I would like to thank Shopback for helping us make this series possible. Now on to our mental status for the week. Do you want to start us off, Josh? Yeah, yeah, I'll start us off. This mental status—it's a, a funny old thing. We've had some—we've <laughs> had some different ones in our in our short like eight episodes. Um, my mental status is up and down. I'm a little bit lost in the abyss now that uni is wrapping up and realizing that I have to have an identity outside of uni. But it's not all fun and games. <laughs> On top of Yash dropping her laptop, um, I just dropped. <laughs> I just dropped it again for good, <laughs> for good measure, just to make sure that you know if we're gonna get a new laptop, we get all of the use yeah. out of the old one. So before there was like a black bar and just a crack across it, but <laughs> now it's like <laughs> mostly. Is cooked. It's completely unusable. So I just really expedited Yash in the process of getting a new laptop. So yeah. I don't know what that says it's about like, my mental status. Yeah, it's like lovely, like flashing at us right now. I thought she needed some strobe backlighting. <laughs> and I have this weird thing where like I refuse, I want like masters to be like done and completed and I want to refresh in life after. And so I want to like use this laptop for the rest of masters. And apparently I didn't like that idea. <laughs> no. I'll post it maybe a picture of the status of my laptop so you guys can really get the full picture. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Ash, what is, what is your mental status this week? I've been all right. I've been okay. I'm getting through it almost at the end. There's still a lot of work to do, but I'm just ticking away at things and 
it's kind of sad, like, seeing a lot of people wrap up and finish and, you know, be on their merry way. Not just yet, but, you know, getting close. And I'm still like, yeesh, I got a long way to go. But Because, yeah, that is the thing with Masters for this would be a bit mm. different to undergrad. You finish kind of based on your placement, mm. which means the cohort, a lot of them are finishing at different times. Mm-hmm. So we have some people who will be going right through to the end of year. Some people get pushed back even, like, a semester if there's anything wrong with their placement. Yeah. But... Yeah, at the very least, you're gonna have we're gonna have some people graduating in December and some people who have to wait until July. August. Oh, yeah. July. Anyway, no, next yeah. year. Yeah. But yeah. That's us. That's us. All right, getting into today's episode, let's break down why is it so hard to save money as a student. I would say money comes down to your income and expenses going in, things going in, things going out, and as a student your income is probably very low and your expenses are supposed to be low. But I think this idea that a student has low expenses and is living this carefree life rests on the assumption that all uni students are young, have no dependents, have no financial obligations and are still living at home. I think this is so far from the truth of what an actual typical uni student is today particularly when you get to masters. I think I'm the youngest person in our cohort. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty confident you are. Yeah, at 20 at 23 and most people are I don't know, late 20s, 30s, up to 40s, 40s 50s, yeah. Yeah. And people have kids, families are at that stage in their life where they want to, you know, get married, get engaged buy a house and a lot of these things come with a lot more financial responsibility and and, um, obligation and so when you think about committing a minimum of six years of full-time study and it's hard and very intensive full-time study you start to think how are people fitting this in to life yeah it's definitely not something where you have a lot of flexibility around your time and your classes and your clients you know, it's something where uni kind of comes first in, in every way. And if you happen to be able to have a job that can work around that, you're, you're probably one of the lucky ones. It's not not the common story, hey. So why is your income so low? I think it's the volume of the demands of particularly third, fourth, fifth and sixth year. I think that's when it really started to pick up for me. Yeah, I think volume of demands is a really good way of putting it because... Yeah, you get into third year and you're probably at the stage of trying to get the grades to get into honours. Mm. You get into honours and then the demands go up mm. because you work super hard to be able to get the grades to get into masters. Yep. You get into masters and your grades don't matter so much, but all of a sudden you have 100 things to do. Ugh. So, yeah, time is definitely kind of a rare commodity, I think. Yeah, and when I think about it, that's four out of, of the six years where you're really gunning it. The first two years... It's hard in itself, right? You're learning with those transitions of going into uni, learning how to ride in the side. Finding your feet. It's certainly not easy, but it's an intense six years. So, yeah, we don't want to scare anyone who's going into these years, but it's also saying that, yeah, there are increasing demands that are sort of placed on you throughout that time. And I think going towards expenses, it's with the cost of living crisis, I think everyone is feeling how expensive rent, food, petrol, any of those basic necessities have been getting. Um, And, you know, when you're doing things like 
masters you have that reduced capacity to earn an income but then also these additional expenses on top and again people who are looking after families and dependents have to rely on other people to support them through and it's yeah it's just a really financially difficult time I feel like when you ask other generations mm. to picture a uni or a college student, I, I wonder whether they picture, like, the fraternity kid yeah. who's eating, like, the two-minute noodles. Yeah. And, they yeah, they don't think about the the career change mum who yeah. has, you know, two kids that they're going home to and still has to do an honours and off. two years of master's. And it's insane. I don't know how they do it, genuinely. Despite the narrative that students can survive on pennies, money does play a huge role in the lives of most university students. Mm -hmm. Uh, I saw one 2010 survey of, I think it was 4,000, nearly 5,000 university students in which 71% reported experiencing financial stress. And honestly, that number, I would assume, has gone up. Yeah. Yeah, if it's from... That was in 2010. Yeah. So in 2023, you put in a cost of living crisis with that? Mm -hmm. Surely. But speaking for ourselves, we've been studying psychology full-time for six-plus years now, Mm -hmm. and so we've learned a lot about what it means to live on the old broke student budget, and over time, we've learned ways to stay financially afloat across these years. So we're excited to share our stories with you, but before we do, I think it's important that we break down why this is such an important aspect of the student experience. So, as mentioned, financial stress is an increasing concern among university students. Unlike many students' budgets, financial stress is clearly abundant. Mm -hmm. However, why does this matter? Being stressed is just everyday life for uni students anyway. You know, the season of sacrifice. In quotation marks. Season of sacrifice. But what are the impacts of stress? Well, on the one hand, stress in and of itself is associated with a huge range of negative physical and mental impacts. And we won't get into the details of all of this, but just briefly, stress has been shown to impact students directly through things such as poor immune functioning. Do you want to talk a little bit to that one? Yeah, literally the first six months of my second year. So yeah, the first six months of this year, I had a underlying kidney infection and I didn't really realize until it was too late and (laughs) I had to go to hospital and it was just non-stop for a little bit there. Yeah, I it was just kept sick getting for like sick. Month after month, and yeah, I would almost guarantee that stress has to be an aspect of that. Mm-hmm. But it can also stress can impact you directly. I mean, sorry, indirectly through sort of the health behaviors that you choose in response to that. So examples like substance use. You know, you think of a lot of people who emotionally eat or they drink to manage the stress, which ironically is its own source of financial stress. One of the more expensive things you can do. And of course, students um, mental or psychological impact. So anxiety, Mm. panic attacks and depression. Yeah. And what about the impacts of financial stress specifically? Well, it's probably unsurprising, but students who experience higher financial stress reported lower on subjective well-being. And those who reported higher financial stress were also more likely to struggle with maintaining their enrollment or the number of academic hours they are enrolled. That makes sense. And I also have a bit of a theory here. Mm-hmm. I, In my little research hole, I saw something about the fact that expected debt at graduation is a better predictor of financial stress than current student loan debt. What do you mean by that? So basically, if you're a university student in you know, your first year and you're like, oh, wow, I have 
six years of university ahead of me to get to where I want. I'm going to have a really big debt by the end. That will predict stress better than someone who is like, I've already got 30,000, 40,000 at the end of their degree, but they know they're at the end. Mm. So I, I don't know. I don't know it in depth, but I do wonder about for psychology students who know that mm. they're on a long journey to the end, yeah. whether that would come with some additional financial stress. Exactly. And I know a lot of people with over $100,000 debt in psychology. Wow. Quite a few people. Yeah, that's um, that's tough to think about. Mm-hmm. But in saying that, we have focused a lot on the negatives for the sake of showcasing why this topic is so important for students. But research has also shown that positive financial behaviors are related to improved financial well-being for university students. And as well as that, self-efficacy has been pretty consistently found to help reduce stress and its implications. What's self-efficacy? So sort of someone's confidence in their own abilities to be able to manage their money and finances. Right, so like financial literacy and knowing what's up. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Okay. So... While this is definitely not financial advice, Mm -mm. it is our hope that sharing our stories and things that have at least helped us may help other students start thinking about their financial well-being as well as the financial well-being of those around them, some positive money behaviors they could adopt, and how improving their self-efficacy could help improve their financial and emotional well-being. Now, some caveats before we get into it. I think it's important to recognize and acknowledge that Everyone has a different situation in terms of their money. And when I say that, I mean their history with money and their perspectives around their relationship with money. Mm. So we can only speak to our own experiences and our own backgrounds from this. But I think for most people, regardless of their financial position, money still plays a huge role in their university experience. Yeah. So before we can talk about the things that have helped us, we first need to share our own financial stories. So do you want to start us off? Sure. As I mentioned in a few other episodes, and this is what underscores a lot of the advocacy work I suppose I do, I come from a immigrant low-income background. And this background has definitely shaped my relationship with money in both good and bad ways, I would say. And Josh has definitely been witness to both good and bad <laughs> So for some context, I wasn't born in Australia and my family migrated here. And I guess a bit of our early financial situation and still kind of current, uh, we really relied on Centrelink family benefits to help meet our expenses. My parents worked really, really hard and sacrificed a lot. So I never felt like I went without. I'm so grateful for my upbringing and my education and everything. And that's kind of a testament to where I am today, you know, and and. And what they've sacrificed has helped me become the person that I am. Um, But reflecting back on me as a kid and witnessing how every decision was contingent on money, it's only natural that I absorbed that. Even if it wasn't direct or implicit, I was able to absorb those messages and the way people acted and reacted around money. So as a reaction to that, I suppose, I would do everything in my power as a kid to be the cheapest kid possible. And I thought the cheapest kid possible equals the best kid possible. <laughs> mm, oh, wow. That's a kind of a big statement, that one. Yeah. I was like, you know, if if I, I see my parents and I'm like, all right, financial stress makes them unhappy. I don't want to make my parents unhappy. Therefore, I have to be the least financially. Yeah. The least medicine. financially. Yeah. Straining. Yeah, exactly. And that's how I just saw how I could make my parents happy. 
So, I mean, some examples of this was as a kid, you know, I wouldn't ask for birthday presents. I'd ask for sushi and my parents would be like, oh, okay, that's weird. But in reality, I'm like, I want to ask for something that's really inexpensive, you know? Or if we had things like ski camps, Duke of Ed camps, I wouldn't even bring the permission slips home because I knew that my parents would make it work. They would either sacrifice something or go into more debt so then I could have the experience Mm. that, that I wanted. And I just didn't want to ever put them in that position. And so I would just not ask for it. And so this real awareness and consciousness about money followed me into adulthood. And now I find myself dealing with a lot of financial anxiety. Some might say a scarcity mindset. So (laughs) how this looks like today, you might catch me at Woolies just holding like a yogurt, a pouch of yogurt and like walking the store like three or four times, still (laughs) deciding. I've been on the phone with Josh like, oh, I don't know if I should get this or maybe I'll get this or maybe I'll get the apple and then the yogurt, trying to find something that will both satiate my appetite and tick all the boxes that it needs to, but at the cheapest cost possible. Yeah. And I think another one is food waste. Like oh, the yeah. amount of times I've finished a meal for you because you're like, no, it can't, yeah. it can't be thrown out. And this other thing, Josh hates when I do this, but on the yogurt containers, I leave the, you know how you have <laughs> yeah. like that foil lid on top yeah, and it has a little bit of yogurt on it. And my scarcity mindset keeps the yogurt lid on because of that little bit of yogurt that's on it that I will use at the end. And so throwing it away is something that I just... Have you ever used that bit of yogurt at the end? I do at the end. By the time I get to the end, it is like crispy and dry. Yeah. Well, you know, that that's an example of uh, that scarcity mindset that doesn't really serve me. But it just, it makes me feel comfortable knowing that that is there. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I've always got that yogurt on the lid. And I have a lot of trouble throwing away like empty jars of peanut butter. Like in my... Yeah, I could use this for oats or something. Yeah, in my cupboard, I'm like, there's like all these empty jars that have like a little bit of peanut butter, but I should really get rid of it, but I just can't let go of them. (laughs) Um, So those are just examples of how the way that I grow up still affects the way that I am now in the same way as many other things on many different planes, right? And I guess moving into masters, it really exacerbated a lot of these stresses. So, I mean, there's been a cost of living crisis. Um, there was a co- like a huge cost of living crisis in Sri Lanka, which is where I'm from. So having, you know, family be affected and having to have more financial obligations, I suppose, and also trying to support myself and work whilst doing uni, whilst trying to finish it as fast as possible so that I can work a full-time income, get a full-time income, sorry. And balancing all of these has really exacerbated my financial stress over the past two years um, particularly when doing unpaid placement as well i have a bit of a question Mm. in that so we've already you've already touched on there's clearly generational impacts you know that's unintentionally through exposure handed down you know through the family perhaps Mm. talking about the sri lankan um kind of economic crisis Mm. is there a cultural impact as well do you think Do you feel like you feel the implications of what's happening in Sri Lanka, even having not been there for some Mm. time? Well, my dad lives there and a lot of... Well, yeah, of course. Yeah, so a lot of um, my parents uh, or like my financial support of my family is from my dad, right? In those Mm. traditional kind of things where the dad usually makes like the money in in those... um, The provider. Yeah, the provider, I would say. And so, yeah, his income has been affected which by nature impacts me as well yeah, okay that's, that's quite direct actually. yeah it's, it's quite a direct link and so that's been something that's also been going on in the background so i think 
based on this background, there's been a lot of difficult things, like I mentioned, that came out of that. But there's also been some good things, such as, I would say I'm quite financially literate. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because I've been in that position where it's like, all right, I have this little bit of money. I need to know how to make it best work for me, right? And so I've made efforts to educate myself on finances, personal finances, to help put me and my family in a good position. Every time I come into Yash's room or Yash gets into my car, there'll be some finance podcast playing. Yeah. Um, I also really like budgeting and I'm a natural saver and have a little discipline when it comes to this discretionary spending. So with the kind of dramatic parts of growing up lower income, there's also been a lot of good things that have gotten out of it. Yeah, I can hear that. So it's kind of, it has its pros and cons and you kind of mentioned the fact that you do have this money anxiety when it comes to just like buying a coffee. Mm. But at the same time, you might reap some rewards from that. Yeah. Well, I guess how do you... What is your sort of takeaway from that? Do you feel like that means that it's a good thing or a bad thing or that it isn't necessarily either? It's not either. Okay. Yeah. I understand the way that I act and I know that not all of it is completely rational, right? Like I can get that coffee and sometimes it puts me in a detriment where I spend too much mental energy thinking about something that really doesn't matter. But then it also means that I'm more considerate, I'm more aware about all these little um, costs and expenses and I, I see the world through a different lens. Yeah, that's quite a like acceptance and commitment therapy sort yeah. of sort of thing. Like we've talked about it before, where I'm you sure about it, yeah. you would buy. I'm thinking about one particular instance where you were out with some people and they all got quite expensive meals, and mm. you had to get a meal and then they split it, mm. and mm. you kind of like spiraled on I that. I spiraled so hard after that. And it's one of those things where, granted, it's understandable. Oh, I spent more money than I meant to, but at the same time, it, it sounds like you can recognize wow, like how much that impacted me after it had already happened. Yeah. There was no nothing really to be gained from that aspect of exactly. it. Exactly. Or very little, perhaps. Yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Josh? Well, I contrast Yash's story quite heavily. So it would be quite interesting, I guess, for the different perspectives. I was born in Australia. I grew up, you know, in the suburbs in Queensland, I didn't have to worry about money. It wasn't something that I thought about needing. I got to kind of grow up quite blissful. It's not Mm -hmm. saying that, you know, we were like incredibly well off or anything. It's just not something which I needed to actively worry about. Yeah. And I think that's the number one thing because it meant that I kind of took that mentality throughout my upbringing. Mm. You know, I was, in contrast to you, when I had birthdays, I was able to be like, I want a fishing rod rather than (laughs) I want sushi. Yeah. Um, And I took that mentality into my adolescence. I spent money because I could spend money rather than because I really valued where I was spending that money. Right. So I didn't didn't have to worry about going broke, I suppose. Mm. And this has, like you said, advantages and disadvantages. Mm -hmm. So if I'm thinking about my university years, it meant that on the one hand, my emotional well-being around money is great. I wasn't stressed. It was something where I could spend money, I could enjoy it, I'd go out to coffee with friends, I would, I, you know, did some traveling and went on different trips, and I got to really enjoy those experiences. And I think that is an advantage that's worth noting. Definitely. And the downside of that is that there maybe is some later, I guess, implications of that. Hmm. You know, I came into that 
with a lot less money than perhaps I could have gone into something like Masters with. Yeah. And there's just a lot of... I could have been in a much different financial position depending on how I choose to spend it. And honestly, that does not mean that I regret how I spent it. I think that I'm very lucky that I was able to have the background that I did, the, the childhood that I did, that afforded me the opportunity to enjoy spending money quite blissfully into my 20s, Mm. early 20s. But then I guess things did start to change. Um, And that particularly was towards masters. Mm. I think prior to that, one of the main things that may have been lacking as a virtue of not having to worry about it was the skills, was the knowledge around money. You know, if you don't have to worry about it, you're not going to worry about developing all the all of the skills that you need to be able to handle your money super, super incredibly well and mm. putting it into good places and saving well and, you know, earning well, mm. it's not going to be on the forefront of your mind. But coming to Masters, my attitude kind of had to shift because I haven't been afforded time to work as much as I would like. Mm. My income was limited to Centrelink, youth allowance, mm. and a couple of hours of paid work a week. Um, I had to move closer to uni. I couldn't live with my parents while doing it. True, because to... it's such a big face-to-face contact, so you had to move out of home and into... Yeah, I think a lot of people, it was five days a week. Mm-hmm. It was pretty much a full-time job. Mm. So with all of that, it kind of forced me to change my relationship with money. Mm. So I found myself learning a lot more about where my money goes, how I'm spending it, what I really value putting my money towards... And honestly, I do feel like I've matured a lot in the way I spent my money. Mm. And I'm still, you know, a long way from Yash. I I spend money more freely, but less anxiously, perhaps. Mm. But in saying that, compared to where I was, those two things have probably switched a bit. You know what it is? I think what's important to note here is that I'm not just restricting my spending. I'm just choosing where I put it better. Yeah. I think that's the big thing. That's one of the things that's been most major in that change Mm. of mindset Mm. but it's also an awareness it's honestly i think that there is kind of a cognitive um avoidance when it comes to where your money goes and over the last few months i've been looking at my expenses like every fortnight to kind of just see where they've been going and it has told me so much because there'd be times where i went wow i did not realize that i you know actually spent that much money on groceries you know, oh, you you prepare for these big expenses of like two hundred dollars, but you don't notice the little things, the repeated twenty dollar grocery shops or you know twenty dollar Guzman Gomez meals. Yeah. And yeah, from reviewing and reflecting on how I spend my money, I've been able to make a lot of tweaks in my finances, which have really helped me. And it's meant that I'm lucky to be able to come out of masters with a bit of a safety net now. In the last 12 months, there was a big shift where I made those changes to a point where... You're not living like day to day or week to week. It's more, okay, I can look ahead a bit. Exactly. And the trend is going in the right direction. Mm. And that's the main shift, I think. Because, you know, at the end of the day, I think as long as, you know, I'm earning more money than I'm spending, I know I'm heading in the right direction. Mm. That's not always going to be consistent, but over the grand scheme of things. But we're still also in a privileged position where we're both like singles like we're not um i don't don't have have kids don't have kids 
I don't so, have debts. Yeah. Well, we have like hex debt, but I don't have like credit card debts or anything yeah. like that because I've never needed to. I've never needed to take out a credit card to yeah. pay off anything. Yeah. I remember actually someone in honors, like one of our um, unit coordinators, someone was like, how are we supposed to like survive if we can't work? And then the advice we got was just take out a loan, take out a personal loan. Wow. Yeah. So I think that's a really big problem, honestly. Um, but again, just want to reiterate that we are still, we have our privileges that we can live in a share house. It's not like we have kids and we can afford to just live in less stable accommodation and like move around more because we don't have kids. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important to acknowledge that one, for the sake of the podcast, to be like, look, not everyone is going to be in the same position as us. No, yeah. You are someone who, from the financial knowledge you've been able to gain, has afforded you the opportunity to get to where you are. But a lot of other people who may not have mm. the background or the financial knowledge that you've been able to gain, they might have similar aspirations, but not the capacity to get to this position. Yeah. But I also think it's worth acknowledging the privilege because that is an important step for us in understanding our relationship with our money. So why are we telling you this? Why does it matter what our stories are when it comes to money? Because the very first step to being able to change how you manage your money and making sure you are managing it effectively during your studies is acknowledging what your relationship is to money. Mm. Whether you like to spend, whether you like to say, whether you struggle with money anxiety or if you're an impulsive spender. Mm. If you're someone like me who recognized that I was probably spending it almost blindly, I would feel like. Mm. I didn't really acknowledge, you know, that $4.50 on a coffee was just gone. I didn't think about you know, what that meant in terms of the time that I'd be working or the position it would put me in if that was four times a week. Mm. So before we can start talking about our money mindsets and the place we are now, the practical tips that have helped us, we first need to understand what is our relationship to money at the moment. Mm. If we can leave you with one takeaway from this episode, it's that we want you to reflect on your relationship with money. Talk to your friends about it. Do some journaling because this sets up the foundation for being able to change your financial well-being. Because mm-hmm. I think that foundation is more important to being able to change your money behavior than blatantly giving just some money tips. Well, I think that's a great place to maybe leave it today. Yeah, I think so. Thank you again, everyone, for listening to another episode of Mental Status a podcast created by psychology students for psychology students. We know this episode was a deviation, as we said, from the content. Um, It felt a bit strange for us talking about our stories because we didn't want this to be about us, but we think that it's important to acknowledge. A good example to demonstrate what we're trying to achieve through this series. Yeah, and so when we're talking about our money mindsets, you get an idea of the background that that mindset is coming from. Hmm. If you found this episode helpful, we would really appreciate it if you followed us on Instagram at Mental Status Podcast, or you could reach out to us on mentalstatuspodcast at gmail.com. And as well as that, a massive thank you to everyone for the ratings. We actually just hit 200 five-star reviews on Spotify, which is insane. Crazy. Yeah, Yeah. I can't believe it. Congrats to Jake for being number 200. yeah thanks for everyone for showing up like it takes a bit of time actually to leave a rating right like so and just the thought i think yeah as 
I've been kind of saying to Yash, not only does it help us in the algorithm, but it it helps us personally. Like, yeah. it is something which we shouldn't admit to checking, <laughs> but it makes such a big difference when we see that. We went, yeah. oh my God, someone left another five-star review. I know. It's hard to believe. So just thank you. And yeah, if you are, you know, whatever app you're listening on, if you're able to leave us a review or a rating, thoughts. Yeah, yeah. just know that it goes a long way. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for your time. And we hope to see you again. Bye, guys. Bye.